You're here today with Jeff Davidson, the work-life balance expert. We're talking about everyday project management, which is also an Amazon best-selling book from 2000 and late 2019. Jeff, what do career professionals who may or may not be designated project managers need to know and why do they need to listen to this podcast? Everyday project management is for everyone. You don't necessarily have to have the title of project manager. No matter where you are in your career, newbie to CEO, personally and professionally, we all engage in a variety of projects all the time. A project could be a party, a project could be something at work, a project could be building a bridge over, you know, uh, an interstate highway bypass. Here's what's important. Today, there is software of all varieties. There's actual physical project management software. There's spreadsheet software. There's word processing software. Everyone is aware of this. <clears throat> what you might not have realized is this. Some of the greatest achievements of humankind going back multi-millennia were created without a lot of the tools we have today. Think about it. The seven wonders of the world, the hanging gardens of Babylon, the Acropolis, the Colosseum. Think about some of the things today. Christ the Redeemer statue at the top of Rio de Janeiro. The channel between France and England. Some of the great structures that have gone up. The Twin Towers in Malaysia. Whether a device, a landscape, architecture was hundreds of years or thousands of years ago in the making or newly made. The same kind of energy and ingenuity had to go into it. And the people from thousands of years ago having none of today's modern tools, not even having electricity, still figured out ways to effectively manage the project from start to finish maybe not as effectively as a person could do today with the software, maybe there were more mishaps, maybe some fatalities, maybe some lost time on the trail, maybe extra expense. But if you look at the broad swath of what humanity has created over thousands of years, people find a way. And so anything that you're tackling now that you want to complete before you even sit down at the computer, before you engage the software, you can map out in your head and then on paper, okay, where do we start? What does the finish look like? What can I reasonably expect along the way? What kind of resources do I need to assemble? What kind of staff and human resource inputs are probably going to be likely. What do I not know for which I need to bring in somebody else? 
In other words, what areas of mine are deficient? And if you just sketch this out on paper before you ever even switch on your laptop, before you ever engage in the project management software, you'll have an overview that you might not get if you just jump into the software. Don't you feel like this world of ours needs us to get that external certification as a PMP? We're not saying that those things are bad, uh, these designations, these official things, but you're saying bring project management thought process into your work, regardless of what you do, whether you're building a great structure or not. And we can still do that with or without that certification. A lot of people think that you need some kind of certification from the Project Management Institute, from other groups that offer programs and so forth. Unquestionably, they have value. Unquestionably, if you pass one of their rigorous certification programs, you will have a variety of project management skills and knowledge and capability. However, looking at the working world with a broad perspective, most people who are assigned to manage a project are not certified. Hmm. Most people who manage projects don't even regard themselves as project managers. Most people who are assigned to complete a project by a boss, by a team, by whomever, simply take the assignment as one of many that they've been on before. They know there's a start, they know there's a finish, they know there's going to be uh, labor or capital, uh, equipment, resources, what have you, that will be rather professionally and intelligently thrown into the mix, used at the right junctures. And these people still do a very good job without the formal training, without the certification, without the title, without even the awareness that they're in the project management realm. Still, we come back to the notion that if you will map out on paper first, or on screen without the fancy software, map out the particulars. The biggest item, of course, is the due date. When does this have to be done? Second biggest item is the budget. What dollar figure do we have to reach or stay under in order to do this? Then, as you get further into your, your planning, Maybe you look at other projects that were similar to this. Maybe you read up. Maybe you see if there's some corollaries out there. Is there anything we can learn? Are there many case histories anyplace? And as you're doing this, you're now on the lookout for the items that were totally out of your purview. Oh gosh, I hadn't even considered this. And you look for the places where people had routinely run into roadblocks. Oh man, this is a possibility. If we start here and we bring in XYZ resources, still by the third week, we may run into this item or that item. So 
anticipation of what might go wrong or the roadblocks or the shortfalls or the places where you get behind becomes just as important as the due date and the budget. Now, let's look at completing even the simplest of projects from the standpoint of making interim goals. Suppose, let, let's, take, let's make this very simple. Suppose you have a project that's gonna last 30 days. And every five days, you have an interim goal on the way to that project. So in other words, you have five interim goals, takes us to, so day, day 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. And then the final is on the 30th, all right? You must reach each of those five interim goals on time as prescribed, or you're in danger of not finishing the project on time and under budget. Why is that so? Because, let's take the first of the five interim goals, day five. Suppose day five comes along and you're still a day short. It's gonna take you to day six. You now have only four days to get to the next interim goal. And if you push that one, you push the next and the next and the next, you can quickly see how you'll miss the overall project. So when you're plotting out your strategy, you begin from the back of the project, the 30th day, to the front and say, okay, here are my interim goals. Here's what I have to reach by the 10th day, by the 15th, by the 20th. And if I don't, I have to treat those with the same level of importance as if I missed the finish the end date because indeed if you miss any one of these interim goals you put the end date in jeopardy most people don't think that way they come to day five and they're not quite there they'll say all right we'll get it by tomorrow we'll pick it up we'll make up the slack maybe they do but a lot of times they don't tenth day fifteenth day i have to tell you you know i've written a lot of books in my time more than 60 now. And a book in many respects is a project. Each of the chapters is an interim goal, if you will. Suppose you have a 20 chapter book and you have to turn the book in in we'll say 20 weeks, all right? Theoretically, if you were to finish a chapter a week, you'd be in great shape. After 20 weeks, you have 20 chapters done. What editors see, and what I know as an author, is this. Authors are given months, many months, to turn in a book. Halfway through the time that they have to finish that book, most will not be half done. There'll be a third done. Two-thirds of the way done on the way to completing that project, the book, two-thirds of the way, they'll be half done. What does that mean just from a pure math standpoint? That means in the last third of the time that they have, the last third, they now have to complete 
the second half of the book. Said another way, they have to go twice as fast in the last third of the time that they have that they've done in the first two-thirds of the time that they have. All right, so what happens when you have to go twice as fast as you've been going? <clears throat> first of all, you're going to rush. You're going to make errors. You're going to feel rotten. On top of that, you've already been working for all that time. You expended two-thirds of the time. And so you're asking yourself to go twice as fast in the last third of the time when you're already tired from the first two-thirds. So here's what happens in the publishing world. The editor receives the manuscript because miraculously some of these authors do finish. They do work twice as fast in the last third. They turn in the manuscript and the editor's reading the book, the manuscript in rough, and it's fine for a little ways. And then pretty soon they hit a spot where all of a sudden there are errors. There are non sequiturs. The last third suffers big time. And the editors know to look for this. What else happens in this phenomenon of books as projects to be managed? Very often, about two weeks before the book is due, the author reports to the editor, and the corollary is the same as the employee reporting to the boss, I'm going to need a little more time. The death knell sentence that the editor was expecting but never wants to hear. Because as soon as the author says, I'm going to need a little more time, that means they mismanaged pretty much most of the time that they had. Now, if they're off by a week or two and they turn in a gem of a book, remember, a gem of a project, it's just a corollary we're making, they turn in a gem of a project, okay, fine, we'll live with it. So what happens is <clears throat> they turn in this book, this project, two, three, four weeks late, and even then, with the extra time that they requested, it is still apparent that they rushed the last third or so. And so they've created the double whammy of project management ineffectiveness, which is they miss the time, a budget may not come into play because they'll still get the advance, but they miss the time and they miss the quality. All right? Now, back in the business world, if you have an appointment at two o'clock and the person who's coming to visit you has a 15-minute trip to get to your office, okay? If they call you two or three minutes in advance and say, I'm going to be about 15 minutes late, what are you thinking? Just the same thing. They've missed manage their time. I've got to rearrange things. Again, you on a first meeting, you're not going to complain, but they're already saying they're already sending you a message about how they think. Well, suppose they tell you with two or three minutes to go that they'll be two or three minutes late. That's acceptable. Okay, something might have happened. But if they tell you with two or three minutes to go that they're going to be 15 minutes late and they had a 15 minute trip, that means they could have told you 15 minutes before 
at right. the least that they were not going to make it by two. Let's push it to 215. So you would have had at least 15 minutes to mentally prepare that it's not going to happen at two, it's going to happen at 215. I now have a half hour at my disposal, what can I tackle? But when they call you with two minutes to go and you had already you know, cleaned up your desk or your office or did whatever you need to do to accommodate somebody coming by and they tell you that they're coming in 15, you now have a shorter time frame to tackle what else is on your plate. You don't know for sure that they're going to come at 2.15. That's what they're hoping to do. And when they actually do come, it'll take you a little while and it'll take them a little while to get to the level of interchange that you would have had if it started on time like you had both planned. So in other words, it never is exactly the same. So what I'm saying for project managers out there, whether they recognize themselves to be project managers or not, is that being on time, being on budget or under budget, with the appropriate level of quality, are the pillars of effectiveness. They're not just nice things if we can do it. They're the pillars. They're the reputation makers. They're the things that you pay attention to so that the assignments that come your way are perhaps more challenging but ultimately more rewarding and so that you begin to develop a reputation as someone who can take on increasingly more responsibility. The bosses, the higher-ups, the CEOs of the world look for people who respect the time, the budget, and the quality level. If you do that automatically, if it's ingrained in you, if there's no way you're going to miss a deadline, if there's no way you're going to spend more than it was allocated, if there's no way you're going to turn in something that's shoddy for the last third of it, and it's known, now you freed up your boss or whoever is managing you, who's ever waiting for what you're doing, it could be a client, you freed up their mental space for them to turn to what they're tackling because they know you're on it. Once you've got somebody and you know that they're on it, it is such a joy. You can't hmm. begin to describe what it's like. <laughs> you don't have to keep a paper trail. You don't have to keep an email trail that goes on forever. This person gets it. I only have to send to them once if they say Tuesday at 2, it's Tuesday at 2. I don't even have to mark it. It changes everything. And so, everyday project management, effective everyday project management, is something that all career achievers all the time want to embrace. It's not, it's not a pie-in-the-sky concept. It's for everybody all the time. If you have any ambition, 
in the workaday world. How can this separate us from our competition? It seems like studying this, having this ingrained, being disciplined, and bringing in everyday project management into our brain and, and the way we operate can separate us from our competition, no question. Not only does it separate us from our competition, but in our own minds, we are elevated. We tackle the next project and the next and the next with increasing confidence. We have the focus, we have the smarts, we know what it takes. We stick to the plan, we adapt as necessary. We treat the end result as sacrosanct. We understand how it impacts the people around us. We understand how it impacts us. We create a personal legacy, if you will. Soon enough, it becomes our modus operandi, the way we proceed regardless. We've all known people like this. Their word is their bond. You might not see them for a while in between times that they're working on stuff, but when they reemerge, it's done, baby, and everybody is happy about it. So, it's a, so as we wind down, this can provide like a psychological boost. And my question to you is, what if we don't have this ingrained in us? Can we learn? Can we change? Can we become more of an everyday project manager that people can rely on and up our game? If we don't have these notions ingrained in us, if thus far in our career, you know, we finish when we finish, and if we go a little over budget, okay, and if we rush the end a little, okay, can we change? Yes, we can. We role model, we look at the people we admire who are consistently finishing projects the way that they were slated to be finished. We read up on it. We associate with others who have a vested interest in improving their lot like we do. It's not gonna happen overnight, but it's not gonna take years either. Realization is a huge boost. Just the realization of how developing this mindset and this capability will set you apart from everybody else can change your behavior. People see the light all the time. The Eureka effect is for real. And maybe listening to this session or maybe attending some other session or maybe just reading the right article, or maybe just be being influenced by the right mentor is just enough to turn the key. You never know. Thank you, Jeff Davidson, Everyday Project Management. Can we still get the book? It's on Amazon. I know you won't promote it, but I will. Take a look at it. Excellent book. Let's employ this in our work lives, and let's complete this session. Thank you, Jeff Davidson.